And um, I was talking about, uh, the Lord really put in my heart to talk about discipleship. It's a big topic, and we kind of just did a, did a little dent in it. <laughs> um, and I'm probably just going to be continuing on from, from where I left off last time, just because I have so much I want to talk about. I'm not going to do a super whole lot of recapping, but just because it has been a couple of months ago, um, I'm just going to do a little bit that... Um, just really to say that, you know, as we see um, the nation shaking and we see um, that there is um, just really a climate um, happening, particularly, I think, in, you know, in, in the earth and certainly even just in circles that we're seeing where I, I'm just seeing more receptivity to spiritual things than than I have, than I ever remember seeing. And so... Um, you know, sometimes I think if there's like this long season where you're, you know, it's just like nothing seems to be happening. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, wait, something is happening, you know, like fruit trees. They seem to take a long time (laughs) before the fruit starts to show as we see from our beautiful trees out there. What year are we on on those, by the way? I feel like it's been a while. Every year, seeing a little more. So, Anyways, um, so just just to kind of recap a little bit from last time, um, we know that the Lord is building his house of prayer, and being a disciple is orienting our lives towards others just as Jesus did. And what this means is laboring for the sake of others. The whole Matthew 19, 19, it's the love your neighbor as you love yourself, and it's the love for others that's in our heart that is really at, it's at the center of discipling. Mark 10, 45 um, is, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And he obviously demonstrated this. He had a heart for discipling others. And as we set our sights on serving others for Christ's sakes, it's really it becomes, um, you know, a life that is, as we often talk about, focused in on seeking him first in his kingdom. But he is giving us his love for those around us. And so um, it's us being faithful to demonstrate the life of Christ and proclaim him for those that are really ready to respond. So, and for those that are ready to respond, what happens next is just, it's, it's doing the same thing it's helping them do the same thing we're doing, which is maturing on our journey to Christ. Um, I talked about last time, like, this is similar to the journey of parenting. Um, You know, I think it's interesting how God's kind of set the whole model for discipling in a family because what he does as parents is he gives us this desire to spend huge amounts of time, right? Thousands of years, uh, years, not years, Hours, thousands of hours that we spend um, that do span into years just raising up like one child to start with until the other children come along, right? But we're nurturing them, we're leading them into maturity. And this whole model is demonstrated all the way back in the, New, in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. I'll read it for you Deuteronomy 6 6 through 7. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children 
and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Um, so this is, this is a great example of discipling another human being. It's just it involves us transmitting the knowledge, the things that we know, the knowledge of God, and then transmitting that to those around us in every moment of life. And so perfect, obviously perfect illustration of that really is the family life because it's like we're living together. We're doing all the things together. There's all the different kind of situations that we're facing, things we're experiencing. I, um, I liked about, uh, you know, one author that I had read talked about the fact that, you know, like discipling isn't, isn't a class necessarily. Not, not that there couldn't be a place for that, but it's just in, often relationally it was about them observing. She said, I was like seeing the stress in my life where things went wrong or, and I'm trying to um, take care of responsibilities and, um, you know, and frustrating things are happening and I, and I feel unequipped and I'm reaching for God in those moments or, you know, when crisis is happening and, you know, what do we do? The response of the believer. And she's like, this, this was such a big part of um, the way that she was discipled and the way that she continues to disciple other people. It's just that everyday um, life stuff where discipleship is happening in the context of relationships where we're teaching one another. Um, I think I touched on this last time. Moses raised up Joshua to succeed him. Eli, um, even with all of his issues, you know, he was the one that was um, discipling Samuel. He was the one who said, that's the Lord that's talking to you, Samuel. Elijah with Elisha. Obviously, the most famous, famous discipler of all was Jesus. Um, it is amazing how powerful relationships are in really influencing. And um, I think I, I feel like I understand that this concept it, it grabs me um, from my own context. Everybody's different, but from my own context, of just when I think about um, the business that, that I am in and, you know, while, while many other people in, in the financial business where they're, looking to, you know, help people with retirement plans and investing and things like that. I mean, usually what would happen is that they would use some kind of a method of marketing or cold calling or buying leads or, you know, just like doing all these different things. I mean, I, I now it's big social media. I mean, that wasn't a big thing when I started, but that's a big thing now. But that was, that was the way that just different methods would happen. Um, whereas, I just really despise the idea of just calling some cold, random person on the telephone. Like, again, this hardly happens. Any, some of the newer, younger people are like, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> it doesn't happen that way now. But it used to be, you'd get these calls, and somebody gets you on the line, and, and then they're like, you know, hey, are you paying too much for, you know, whatever. And, and so, um, and then it was just, it was grueling and brutal, really, um, that type of a, a marketing approach. And... Um, I think that Sam has a marketing background. I think she probably would recognize that awful process, you know. And for me, I was just like, oh, I just cannot do it. I just hated it. And it felt so uh, so fake and contrived. And so I just determined that I would really learn another method. And I just learned that, you know, business, some of the best business, word of mouth, right? I mean, they grow by you giving exceptional service to someone. And so my objective was 
really to um, build really good relationships with the people that I had, the few that I had. Like I had, a, I had a lot of time, so I just like really poured myself into them. They're like, "Oh, you're calling again? You're checking in on how I'm doing?" Yep. <laughs> and just because what happened is that over that period of time, as I look back. Um, and, I, and I have been very, very working in a very behind-the-scenes limited capacity in my business for, for years now as, as the focus has been on building the house of prayer. But, but when I look back and I looked at the block of business that I grew over a period of time, I feel like the, really, the Lord highlighted to me that about 80% of what I have really it, it started with just a few people. It happened if, if like a few people. I mean, I could think back like a, like a, 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 like a workshop that I did for a for probably this many people, you know, and I only got one client out of the whole thing, but out of that one client was another and another and another, and it built a whole, you know, beautiful network. And some of those people, like I still have super solid relationships with still today um, because they were, they were really built. And I just, I love, the reason why I bring up this example is because um, I love that Christianity didn't get its start like with mass marketing either. <laughs> it wasn't a marketing campaign. It wasn't like Jesus was traveling and he had news coverage 24-7, like following him around, you know. Um, but it, instead it was because of a series of personal engagements. Um, it was among a small group of men over a three-year period of time. And of course, yes, the word of the miracles got out. Um, but within those larger crowds was a smaller group of people whom Jesus called his disciples. Those were the ones that he particularly invested his time in. Mark 3, 13 through 14 said, Jesus called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. I just, I love this. I'll read this part again. Jesus called to him those whom he desired. He called to him those whom he desired. Isn't that beautiful? Like he called them. I think that the Holy Spirit will call to you people whom the Holy Spirit desires to build a relationship with because you're the right person to do that with them. The Holy Spirit can work through you in that way. So um, these 12 that confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, they stayed with him, and he wanted them to be with him. I mean, that's a big part of it, right? You know, I just, I think about when I hear people talk about, like, um, somebody that discipled them, you often hear these really great stories about somebody will say, my grandfather, my grandmother, you know, parents were busy working or whatever, but my grandfather, my grandmother, we spent this time, I think Tom Stroll was talking about this, you know, just, um, they just poured all of this relational time into um, them while doing life. And it really, really makes an impact. It was because it, that it was mutual, but Jesus especially poured out time with Peter, James, and John, even within that group. Um, now, when I talk about that whole discipling thing, I mean, you might be, I, I think initially my thought was like, okay, well, that was Jesus. <laughs> 
I, I got a lot. I feel like I'm struggling to keep up with the things that I have going on. You know, he he was doing this. Um, yeah, he 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 was going around. You know, he was he was in crowds and small groups. And this is Jesus. So I don't know if I can really compare myself to him, but um, which is probably true. <laughs> but um, if we look at Acts sixteen seven, uh, Paul is describing his missionary journey. The chapter begins introducing us to a disciple named Timothy. And we, we hear that Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. So just like Jesus and his disciples, Paul wanted Timothy to be with him, to travel with him. I would imagine it was probably lonely. And, you know, you, you probably appreciated a companion just from practical uh, perspective. But it's just, I, th- I think, really what it, it was, it was a relational, probably beneficial for both, but it was because God, by the Spirit, really put into Paul this importance of continuing to um, spread the gospel throughout the earth. And this was happening um, not only by him preaching and teaching, but it was happening even relationally. He couldn't do that with everybody but the Lord could highlight to him who he was supposed to do that with. Going back to Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when they sit in your house, when they walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise up. It's easy to imagine Paul discipled Timothy into that whole, like that Old Testament passage that I just read. He would... um, just like a father. He was a spiritual father to Timothy. And so God's word was being teached diligently along the way, as well as every time Paul stopped and would be teaching to these early churches. So when they lay down, when they rose up, decades later, Paul would tell Timothy to do the same with others. We see in 2 Timothy 2 2. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So you can see this whole idea is planting there right away. Like, I need to be reminded of this. You know, sometimes what happens is that, like, we all have different personality, you know, Ben's, but we're, we are a, fo- a, a body focused in on sanctification. And so it's just like we're working on um, letting the Lord you know, purify us and sanctify us. And, and we're, we're here, we're building the house of prayer. We're committed to this, such an important person, such an important purpose. But I also want to remember that this is an important purpose for me and each of us as well. It's going to be expressed in different ways based upon your strengths. Um, you know, s- some of you here are just unbelievably amazing on social media. You do such a great job. And, and I'm like, Lord, I want to do better in that area. But I'm thankful, though, that the Lord, did. I'm, I'm also an in-person person. And so, he, you know, he's given me opportunities. But he's calling us all to let us each be stretched. He wants to stretch me more in that area. He wants each of us to just... Um, Listen to him and do what he tells us to do. Because it's not supposed to look a certain way. It's just supposed to be listening and obeying, right? That is how we do it by the Holy Spirit, is let him lead us into it. So 
But the idea coming back to this is that Paul really wanted to impress upon Timothy. This isn't just for you, Timothy, as much as I uh, love you, but it's about we're, we have a purpose, we have a mission here, and what I'm doing with you, you're supposed to go out there and supposed to teach to faithful men. I mean, think about it from the standpoint that Timothy was like Paul's child, and he was supposed to go out and find faithful men, which would be like grandchildren, <laughs> who would be able to teach others. That would be like great-grandchildren, right? It just continues to go on and on and on. If you've ever read um, some books about some faithful saints, um, they had a commitment to... You know, they had this commitment, this vision that the Lord gave them about the life that they lived, the seeds that they planted, some of which they would never see the fruit of, but it would happen generations and generations and generations later. But their commitment to live a faithful walk in life, you know, rippled out to generations later. I, I wish I could remember the name. I, it's like Paul and Betty Stammer or something. I don't even know, but it was like they were like this faithful couple, and then it went and looked at their genealogy, and it was like there was like so many presidents, and there was like, you know, military leaders, and there was like teachers and college uh, founders, and like all these amazing things. It was just like you could see that it was just this this um, commitment on this couple to raise their, their children, their offspring up in the Lord and let that go and branch out. Colossians 1, 28 through 29. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To the end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Now, some of us are, this is just like, yeah, that's a no-brainer. Like, you're wired, like, this is, this is what I'm doing, and this is, this is what. And so other, others of us need that reminder. Hey, I, I'm supposed to, to preach, to warn um, every man, and teaching every man in all wisdom to present, that they may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So we have a responsibility to not only hear one another, but we have a responsibility to those that the Lord calls us to be a witness to. And sometimes that might mean um, being a witness, which being, being a witness on social media is, is part of discipling. It is teaching. And it is not all, like when, when Jesus was, was teaching the, um, you know, the 12, he, he wasn't going to be able to impact everybody, but, but even impacting people there, then that has its reach that keeps on going. So this is so important. And, um, you know, again, like several of you just in your own expression of this, just do an amazing job. And so the whole idea is we're just, again, we're coming back to what is, what is God saying, listening and obeying in that area. Um, I'm going to read this one more time because I want to emphasize some things in it. Colossians 1, 28 through 29 again. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now, it is... That when, when, if you just read that, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, is Paul going to present every man perfect in Christ Jesus? No, because it could sound like that. We've got to do it, Right? Um, but if you go on to verse 29, it says, To this end, I also labor, striving. So there's labor and striving involved according to his working, which works in me mightily. You can feel the struggle. Um, 
I mean, when I, when I read it, I mean, I feel, I feel spiritual jealousy when I read these words. Like, yeah, I want, I want that kind of passion about that. Listen to it in the New Living Translation just to kind of keep hearing it. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. Isn't that nice? We want to present them perfect in their relationship to Christ. Verse 29, that's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. I love what we see here is that spiritual exercise I mean, spiritual power, rather, is exercised in strenuous. Um, it's, I mean, I, when I think about strenuous, I'm thinking, like, desire. But actually, like, it's, it's self-giving service to others. The word, it, depending on which translation you're in, struggling, striving, um, that's in verse 29, it's actually translated agony. And in some passages, it's translations, it actually is agonizes. As Paul agonizes over this. Um, it's the word, um, it's basically the whole idea is we're connecting it to what happens is that striving, struggling, agony, like these are obviously not in the negative sense because Paul is talking about this as, as a good thing, but it's that that precedes the depending on the mighty power of God to work. And it's after the depending that desperation, again, it's after that. That's, that's what comes before the mighty power. Paul said in verse 29, that's why I work and struggle so hard. <laughs> that's why I agonize. That's why I strive. Depending on, depending on, say depending on. Depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. I kind of, you know, it feels like, an, it's like, we're supposed to let him do it, but you can see that there is this exchange of, it's like the reach, and then the Holy Spirit comes and does the work. So what I hear that saying is, if I want to know the power of God and a faith that works, I need to give myself over to the struggle of working for the good of others, because it is a struggle. It really, it really is a struggle. Even as Christ himself worked and struggled for our good, this is really what he's calling us to. The true Christian faith, it's not a lazy faith. It's a faith that works, but it's so narrow because we're not trying to do it in our own strength. It's not work if it's something that we do in our own strength. What happened prophetically last time I taught is that um, I'm sorry, I, can't, I don't know who was the one that sang it. It might have been Alia, but it was like, God can do a lot with a little. And I, that's what this is. <laughs> I'm giving my little, which is my desire, and he's giving his lot, a lot, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. So um, I touched on this last time, and I just want to touch on it again in terms of what this might look like. You know, in our schedule, everyday life, the expression of this is different for each of us depending on where the Lord is leading you, depending on the season you're in, depending on what God is doing. And it's likely that this is going to flow out of relational connections that already exist in your life. I, when I talk about 
discipleship. I'm not talking about something different than, I'm not saying, here is discipleship, and here is the tabernacle of David. No, absolutely not. They're not separate. They're, they're the same. They're absolutely the same. What happens is that we, are, we don't, do, we, we don't um, do night and day prayer every moment of our life. We, we do it here, but there's other things that are happening in our life that have to do with our relationship with the Lord. Um, and it have to do with that Deuteronomy passage that I talked about, you know, where, you know, we walk along the road, when we rise, when we lay down, whatever, those different things. Th- this is this, this full expression of, of our, getting ourselves ready and growing in sanctification. And our, as we think about discipling um, and in, inviting people into a deeper relationship with the Lord, this should, this should be part of that conversation. When I think about, when I'm at KPEP, and it's still my vision. It's like, Lord, I know these ladies are transitory in here. We, we don't always know who we're going to get in class. We don't know who's AWOL. We don't know um, how long if they, are they going to schedule a class that's going to conflict and they're not going to be able to come. You know, even it's, so you can't even sequentially do things. It's, it's, it's a really challenging thing. But what I believe that God will do in some way or some, at some point is that there will be that this is going to culminate in the tabernacle of David. I mean, it, it might just be that some of these ladies that graduated, that I've stayed in touch with, that there's going to come a point in time that they're going to be able to um, say, hey, you know what, I want to have an exp- I want. I want to, I want to, I believe that the tabernacle of David, night and day prayer, is the plan for Jesus' return and for me to get sanctified. Um, and part of that is in praying for other people that are, let's say, struggling with addiction and all of the other areas, you know, we don't know how God will work with these little touches and these little con. He He knows how to build His house. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers build in vain. I I don't have to try to plan and strategize it. I don't have to try to protect it. I don't have to angle. All I have to do is trust Him to do what He wants to do. And so, what's really beautiful is that those that come into a relationship with Christ um, and are hungry by the witness that we give them. Um, and because they're growing, they love this environment. They love it because they want to grow. They feel themselves stretching. They feel the Holy Spirit talking to them. They're responding to the Holy Spirit. That's where acceleration really, really happens. And so I touched on this last time, but it's like part of what we ought to be praying about is, Lord, who do you want me to be in relationship with? And can I, can, can I invite people to my prayer set? Can I invite people into the relationship of what I'm doing here? Whatever that might look like. Like, I'm not, I can't, this, this is its own topic. I can't even completely cover it. But the Holy Spirit can cover it with you in the specific way that it needs to apply to you. But I just want to kind of under, keep us understanding. It's not, it's not kind of a separate, it's not a separate situation. You know, the, the, the harvest is going to come. And what, what's going to happen is that there's going to be things that they will need to learn that, from a practical standpoint, it will make sense to just take them aside into a separate place to, to give some, some training and teaching for them. But, but then it's for them to, to, to come here, and the, the learning continues. It's just like what happens here is that, as we've talked about, teaching is, is going away. The Holy Spirit's going to do it. Like it. There's going to come a point. We're not at that point yet, but there, there will come a point. But the same thing is true, is that um, what that looks like in terms of Somebody, it it there's a, there's time that's needed. 
There, there's a time section. It's, it's like um, when I think about our friend Elijah, I, I would try to take chunks of time with him in, in different ways, whether it was before, whether it was after. Sometimes it might have been on the phone. Sometimes it might have been with somebody that we, you know, a couple of us went and got coffee together or something like that. You know, these are, but, but it's all for the purpose of we're, we're doing what Jesus has talked about here and what I've been talking about. So kind of coming back here, um, the expression of what this looks like, it's going to be different for each of us. It's, um, like I said, it's very likely going to flow out of relationships or connections that already exist in your life. Maybe God will open up new doors. Um, you know, I always think about this. Like sometimes when I, I just got my hair cut, you know, and I have built some connections with people over there that, you know, the Empire Beauty School where I get free haircuts as a veteran. And I, I'm like, Lord, put me with the right person. Who am I getting? Because I usually stay with them because I want to build a relationship with them and just keep making a, making a connection. I, and Thomas talked about this before, too, is in terms of him getting his hair cut. There's a lot of ways that we can all do this. We all have our own stories, but it's just um, being open to what he's doing in that area. He might put you in contact with somebody new. But it can be somebody who already maybe believes in Christ, and he's got a, they, maybe they've fallen into lukewarmness. Maybe they've, uh, maybe they've made some small decisions. I mean, not small, bad. <laughs> maybe they made small or big bad decisions, but maybe they've made some wrong decisions. Maybe they need somebody to love and encourage them back on track. Um, maybe they're well-intended, but they're just, you know, they're theologically confused. Um, maybe they're, yeah, there's so many different scenarios that it could be. It might be immediate family relations. You know, I, I might have said this last time, but Lonnie and I are trying to be really intentional about um, how to um, letting God lead us into ways to increase our witness and our influence with our grandkids because they're they're busy you know busy family lives connections and sometimes you have relationships with people that are, don't even live locally some of our kids have already moved on so what does that look like the Lord has really given me some creative ideas about ways to do that and I believe He will do that with you and then it just increases your witness and your 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 impact um, your voice in their life. Maybe it's friends of your kids, coworker situations, neighbors. I'm literally having prayer meetings with my 90-year-old neighbor right now. <laughs> and it's so satisfying because I've prayed for her. You know, I didn't even meet her, you know, but till, I mean, I, I just had random chance meetings because she hardly ever went out of her house, you know. Um, it's just, it's so exciting to be a part of what God is doing. My straining and your straining should be in the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And I feel like I've kind of talked about that. We talk about this a lot. By the way, this is not just a woman's thing. I think this comes more naturally to women. We're more nurturers. I think we are good at, and just not exclusively, but sometimes we're, we're good at identifying a need or something, and we train up children. But I want you to know every man is qualified and most especially needed. If there was a category of people that were needed, um, it, it, it would be men, and he's given all of us different strengths. I, I just want to suggest something to you. Maybe it doesn't feel like your strength, and you're like, there's this part of it that's really hard for me. Well, maybe God might connect you to a man that is better in that area than you are, and maybe you might be able to disciple that man in other areas, and that other man might be able to be an expression of his strengths. I'm sure Paul and Timothy did not have the same strengths 
I, I'm, I'm sure they had different things that fit together well with one another, that complemented, that enhanced one another. So I, I just really want to challenge you that I'm not going to be able to talk into, into another man's life like a man can. And you're never going to be qualified. You're never going to you're never going to have it together. This is what we just went over earlier. It's that you're just, you're, you're striving. You're earnest. You're like, I'm, I don't know if I want to do this, but if you're telling me to do it, I will, God. And he's, my power is going to come, and you're going to feel the satisfaction of, uh, I am walking in the spirit of the Lord because it's not by my strength. I just said yes with my little, and he did a lot. I'm depending um, on Christ's mighty power to work within him. You know, and think about, he spent most of his, that's what he spent most of his time doing. Jesus did spend most of his time doing. Impacting the lives of those 12 who went on to change the world. I think, I don't, there's some kind of a movie trailer of a movie, Jesus movie I haven't even seen, but it was like, it's like, what are we going to do? He's like, we're going to change the world. And he's talking to his 12 teenagers. It's like, man, ah, exciting. So let's talk about patience for a minute. In addition to God's power, something else is needed. James says, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, wait, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Um, we don't always see immediate fruit. Uh, to disciple, we've got to be a patient farmer trusting that what he's planted will eventually spring up. Um, us parents know what this is like. I bet you that Jen Moresman, who had the vision to do Kalamazoo Kids Worship, had a vision of like, we're going to plant seeds in these kids' lives, and it's going to impact them. I know that's how she felt. She had a vision for it, and she still believes it now, don't you, Jen? It's just, the, the thing is, is that that's what drove her to do. It's like, we're going to plant some seeds. We're going to be a witness. We're going to be a lighthouse and we're going to, to the least of these, we're going to invest time into them. And a lot of time and resources went into seemingly feeling like not that many. But God knows how to multiply things in an amazing way. And so thankfully for her vision, you know, maybe I wouldn't have the same kind of connection with some of my neighbors. I mean, I certainly would have, would have tried, and I do work on building those relationships because that's my geography. But the thing is, is that it's really cool, though, that that played into it. Even though it, for the season that that was, it was like how, Jen's vision, even though she might not be directly connected with my neighbor, we don't know what's going to happen with her, right? Or what's going to happen with my other neighbors. But she was a part of that because she was faithful and she was obedient. She had a vision for it. And being a body where we all have different strengths, she, we came around her, and the people came around her and did the things that they were good at. Tom did teaching. Some of us did behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, some of us did transporting of people. Uh, you know, Angie was able to bring her whole crew. You know, I mean, it's just, man, we don't know what God's not going to do. What's God going to do with all these grandchildren that Angie has had that have come to light up here and there, and the love has been flowed out on them? Those were discipling things that were happening and so we're just going to come back and keep praying that the God will continue to grow those. Because he will. And in the perfect season, like, we don't have the time to maybe disciple everybody that God is going to 
you know, bring into our life. Jesus had the three years, but he might just have you praying and have several people on the waiting list. Like in my business, this would be the way it would work. You've got, you got I don't know, like 100, 300 names. And I, I just, you periodically go through and rotate, you touch people. The timing isn't right. But you know, from a, if, if you have any kind of business or sales background, you know, it's just about the right time that you hit that person that it's like, okay, it's, it's red, they're ready. You called, you let yourself know, you planted yourself there, and now, they're, that now they just left their job and they're ready to roll over their retirement. And you, you were just, they thought of you and called you because you called them enough times or you called at the right time. And so you're not dealing with them all at the same time, but you're letting the Lord lead the timing of the different things. Does that make sense? So we don't always see immediate fruit, and we don't always know what's going to come up, in the, but we just keep planning. So, you know, discipling is a way to evangelize non-Christians. I think about it for a minute here. This is just, um, yeah, the Lord highlighted this to me. I, this is the way how it's worked in all of our homes. All of our kids did not come out of the womb knowing Christ. <laughs> they, they were not saved. They, they, they grew up in our family, and we demonstrated and discipled them into our way of life. And at some point, they made that choice on their own. Or they have, may not have made it yet, but we are believing that God will finish that good work that he began. That's what it looks like. Um, they have to make their own choice to follow. So part of the Christian faith is working for others. It's not lazy. Like Paul, it works. It works for others. It works with the energy supplied by God. He's the one who works powerfully in us. It looks like proclaiming, warning, teaching. It works so that others might be presented mature and complete in Christ um, on, that day, on the day of his coming. So, friends, he's inviting us to be builders. And you all are amazing builders, by the way. Everyone, like, you know, it's really important, like, when we're in, we're in a place where we're challenging ourselves to keep moving forward with Christ, but let's take a minute to let the Holy Spirit encourage us about where you're doing the things that he's called you to do, where you have done them. Like, there's this perfect place, place we want to be with our kids where we want to be like, hey, this is here but man, look what you are doing. You're amazing. You should feel good about your faithfulness to the Lord. We should, you should not, unless the Holy Spirit is chastening you, um, be careful to make sure that, yeah, that if you're feeling chastened, it's the Holy Spirit that's doing it. Um, and that you're saying, okay, but Lord, is there, is there more? What, what more? What more can I, how can I keep giving you more of my obedience? So he's inviting us to be builders. As I said, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers build in vain. So just as Jesus only did what the Father told him to do, um, we are we're invited to do the same. Into the plans, you know, um, yeah, we don't have time for that, so I'm not going to go. Jesus was ready. He was listening. He was in tune. Jesus was doing the Father's will on earth, and it was in, he was in constant communication with the Father. He was about the Father's business, and likewise, we want to be about the Father's business. We want to be continuing to get ready um, for his kingdom ourselves and to help other people do the same. I, I know this probably feels so obvious. It's just, but sometimes we just need the reminders to let the Holy Spirit say, how can I do more of what I know is true? Um, just some of the um, 
as the Lord invites you into this reality, I would say that, um, I think I kind of talked about this a little bit, that what we do here in the prayer room is as important and as much of a discipling environment this is, there are some aspects of discipling that are happening one-on-one um, or they might be happening in a situation like a small group outside the prayer room. It might mean having people over. It might mean having coffee. It might mean having phone conversations. It's being willing to sacrifice time and put the work in. Our toil and labor cannot be in response to the love that we have for them because sometimes we don't feel it, but instead it must be rooted in our love in Christ. I want to say that again. It's, it's easy for me to try to want to be engaged in a relationship with somebody that I you know that it's just it's it was really going well, but it's it's not a it's about being willing to sacrifice the time if that is what the Lord is calling me to do. Um, it's rooted in our love for Christ, so His love for us, and it's rooted in His love for them. So, and and I think just real quick on the comment, like it can feel frustrating about the lack of progress, but again, just. Patient, patience, like the farmer. You know, the um, praying the Sermon on the Mount topic continues to stretch me and, and grow me. I, I don't ever want to stop praying for the Sermon on the Mount topic. When I think about a new believer or somebody that is growing into maturity in Christ, because maybe they are a believer, but they just they need maturing, I, I just think that's one of the best topics to pray into because... It's, this is teaching, proclaiming, responding. The Spirit is moving, all of these things. Um, and so I would encourage you to keep that in perspective when you're looking at doing that. You know, um, I like to periodically go back to the series that Tom did in the end of 2016 about the must-haves of the David's Tabernacle. And it's so good. You can, you can find it on Podbeam. And one of the things that he talks about is a central location and in a community. There's a reason for that. It's supposed to be done in a community of people. And it's, it's, it's because it's what the Bible teaches. And I'm not going to, you can go find that message. I think it's October 7, 2016. But um, I want to also just mention that I think that there are situations where again, it might be you praying with somebody in your living room being in this community and doing what we're doing here is one of the greatest joys of my life but one of the regrets is I wish we would have done the tabernacle more just in our not just here but in our home because we bring our kids here and we did it here and our kids did with other people's families but we didn't necessarily do a lot of it ourselves and um, there are some things that aren't for the live stream they are for an intimate group and you can do the tabernacle in a geographic location with a community of believers I think we really want to do the Solomon Assembly, the Joel too, but I don't want us to feel like we can never not do it the other way because we can. And, um, you know, um, Alice was talking to me about how she's getting ready to go uh, visit um, her, her mother-in-law. And, like, she, we're all, like, her and I were talking about, like, we're all looking for, God, is there a way we can do the Tabernacle of David in this situation or another situation? We've even tried it before in some other prayer settings, you know, like, can we... Can we um, initiate something and begin to um, introduce this to, to some of those that are around us? Um, 
All right, so here's my wrap-up to you all. And um, a disciple is one that is, um, by the way, everybody in the room here, is they like, raise your hand, you're all disciples. Okay. You know, every time, every time I'm up here, I'm praying that I'm sharing something that God is teaching me and reminding me of by extension. So I, I want to be really clear, like, I'm talking about this because the Lord is inviting me to be more conscious and participate with what he's doing. Um, you have to have that same conversation with the Lord yourself, because there are seasons, and there are times, and there's are expressions, and it's a light burden and an easy yoke. So I'm just reminding you, um, be careful. The objective is not for you to do more or change direction. It's for us to let God do more in us. It's for us to be attentive and responsive to what he's doing. Like I imagine um, Acts 16, 9 through 15, I'm going to read this passage to you from the message. The night Paul had a dream, that night Paul had a dream, a Macedonian stood on the far shore and called him to the sea, come over to Macedonia and help us. The dream gave Paul his map. We went to work at once, getting things ready to cross over to Macedonia. All the pieces had come together. We knew now for sure that God had called us to preach the good news to the Europeans. So, um, like, God's timing. He, he knows what it is. He, he knows what he's doing. And he reminds us in Galatians 6, 9, do not grow weary of doing good because in due season it will reap a harvest. So I'm going to pray and uh, the worship team can come up. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring to mind a couple of people in our lives whom you would love to see presented mature and godly on the last day. Lord, I, I want to take my desire of having you say, well done, good and faithful servant, to having you say that to other people that I prayed for that I participated in as you led me. Maybe I can't, but I can participate in prayer and agreement. Lord, we, we just want to, I remember somebody saying, like, what's your goal? And, you know, in Christ, it was like decades ago, and they said, my goal is to go to heaven and meet Jesus and take as many people with me as I can. <laughs> and um, we want to take people you know, we, we want people to meet Jesus, but we want them to we want them to be sanctified. We want them to grow into maturity so that they aren't just a babes on milk, but they're actually continuing to be a part of this great commission. So, um, Lord, would you lead us now in a commitment to pray for them, those that you put on our hearts? Um, Lord, we're asking, would you help us to be used by you, led by your spirit? not taking on any yokes that you're not putting on us. You only did what the Father told you to do. We know that it all starts with waiting on you, listening to your voice. We know that you can place other godly men and women in the path of those we care about to do the work. And you can put us in the path to do the work of what other people are praying for. We want to be available to be used by you as you call us. And so, Lord, would you open up opportunities for us to invite others into night and day prayer, into fellowship with you, 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for the life of the body. Thank you that this is your wisdom, um, just your spirit flowing. Like, I don't really.